readings, one from Habakkuk and one from Jeremiah. The Habakkuk reading starts with the Lord's answer to Habakkuk's first question. And it's from verses five, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 to 17. Look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed, for I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. I am raising up the Babylonians, that ruthless and impetuous people, who sweep across the whole earth to seize dwellings not their own. They are a feared and dreaded people. They are a law to themselves and promote their own honour. Their horses are swifter than leopards, fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their cavalry gallops headlong. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swooping to devour. They all come intent on violence. Their hordes advance like a desert wind and gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and scoff at rulers. They laugh at all fortified cities. By building earthen ramps, they capture them. Then they sweep past like the wind and go on. Guilty people whose own strength is their God. Then Habakkuk's second question. Lord, are you not from everlasting? My God, Holy One, you will never die. You, Lord, have appointed them to execute judgment. You, my rock, have ordained them to punish. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil. You cannot tolerate wrongdoing. Why then do you tolerate the treacherous? Why are you silent while the wicked swallow up those more righteous than themselves? You have made people like the fish of the sea like the creatures, sea creatures that have no ruler. The wicked foe pulls all of them up with hooks. He catches them in his net. He gathers them up in his dragnet. And so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and burns incense to his dragnet. For his, by his net he lives in luxury and enjoys the choicest food. Is he to keep on emptying his net, destroying nations without mercy? And then the second reading is from Jeremiah, chapter 29, verses 4 to 14. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those are carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage, so that they too may have sons and daughters. Increase in number there. Do not decrease. Also, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and diviners among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed with Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. 
For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and will come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. And here ends the reading. Gracious Lord, as we come to hear your word, we humble our hearts before you. We know that uh, there can be obstacles both within me, uh, my character imperfections, which uh, uh, mean that I don't preach your word as I should, but also, Lord, that there can be things within our hearts acting as barriers between what your word is saying and what uh, uh, we hear. Lord, only your spirit can open our hearts to your word. And so we ask now as a church that what we hear this morning, the parts of this morning's message that we would remember after this message is over, would be the very things you desire. And that, Lord, by that hearing, we would be doers of your word. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So good morning and welcome to our second message on our spring uh, sermon series on Habakkuk, uh, which we're having as a bit of an interlude between the first part of Romans and the second part of Romans, which will start, uh, God willing, autumn next year. So last week we had a look, for those that were here, have listened online or caught up by listening online, we had a look at the cycle of nations and Habakkuk's complaint against the Jewish nation about the moral decline. And so uh, we had a look at the cycle of nations. This was a model created in, in the 1770s by an ancient scholar looking at Greek and Near East societies, where he noted that there was ancient societies tended to go in cycles. And the cycle does seem to have its similarities in the Bible, looking at Deuteronomy. We had a look at that chapter of Deuteronomy and the cycle. Uh, and so we had a look at how the Hebrews had been in bondage for centuries in Egypt. Uh, then that generation had left Egypt and yet they lacked faith in God's promises and they lacked courage to enter the land. If you know your Bible well, you will know this, and they died in the wilderness. And then another generation that rose up with faith in God and courage. And of course, Joshua said, be bold and courageous. They entered the land, they received some liberty and then abundance. And then a generation or two later with that abundance. And of course, in Deuteronomy, the, 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 the thing that is the key thing is not complacency, but pride. But uh, um, pride entered their hearts. They thought it was by our will and our things. And it was apathy to spiritual issues, dependency on other gods and other things. And down into bondage they went. And of course, God would raise up these are uh, uh, leaders uh, that would be often raised up and uh, then they would be leaders that they would have faith, that they would have courage and there'd be liberty and there'd be abundance and around and around they would go. Uh, and so the cycle happened again. And before uh, Habakkuk's ministry, uh, um, there was, of course, one last cycle with, with Hezekiah and the Assyrians. And Habakkuk's ministry was coming, uh, if you picture the bondage at, at 6 o'clock, then he was, his ministry was at 5.59, just before the Babylonian invasion. And so uh, 
Uh, lastly, I made a brief comment. Where, would, where might New Zealand be on this cycle? And a chance, really, I didn't really give any conclusions to that, but a chance for you to think about that. And certainly an urgency to pray for this nation and our church. Uh, have you? Do you have urgency? Have you prayed? Or did you go, oh, that's an interesting message, and out the door. It is good to pray. Let messages stir one's hearts. And so in that first complaint, Habakkuk was concerned. He's like if you had social media. He's like, I'm upset about the ram raids happening in Auckland. I'm concerned about the truancy in school. I'm concerned about child poverty on the way up and morality and all these issues. He had this big complaint. What are you doing, God? Right? That was what he was like. Lawlessness is increasing. And now we're going to see uh, uh, that and three things. I tell you often what I'm going to tell you. There's a chance, maybe, God willing, it'll, it'll stick in the minds. Uh, that firstly, God's shocking answer to Habakkuk's complaint about the moral decline of Judah. And then secondly, then Habakkuk has a second complaint. But this time, it's not against the people of Israel. It's actually against God. He, Habakkuk is not happy with God's answer to the problem of, of, of Judah's moral decline. And then three, God's ultimate message of hope and restoration. And that actually doesn't come in Habakkuk. Habakkuk doesn't have that message it comes by reading the rest of the Bible, because I want to get a little bit of hope. We're going elsewhere to the whole narrative of Scripture. Um, um, but have a, so, so we're going to see that through. That's what we're going to do this morning. And so first, key question. And this is a key question that is really worth pondering. Are you worshipping the God as revealed in the Bible or of our own imagination or culture's imagination? Because what we see in the Bible was shocking to Habakkuk. Habakkuk knew the Lord... And, and yet, when he heard the news of what God's plans was, he was very upset. And at the end, which I read as the, as the opening prayer, he was trembling in fear uh, at what actually was going to happen. And so a key question to ponder, Lord, am I, do I really know you as revealed in the Scriptures? Or, at, or do I want to invent a God of my own imagination or culture's imagination? Because it's a comforting God. It is, it is worth noting, you should, we should, it's important, you know, if you're even studying any other religion, you take not what you want it to be, but what actually it is. And it's the same with the Christian faith, to know God as revealed in Scripture. And so I've called this morning's question, uh, salvation uh, through judgment. And so uh, uh, we get to see that the first is this, is this, is this shocking response from God to the evil that Judah was going in. This is point one. The Lord replied, look around at the nations, look and be amazed, for I'm doing something in your own day, something you wouldn't believe, even if someone told about it, told you about it. So have you ever heard the phrase, oh my goodness, it's too good to be true? Have you heard that phrase? Well, that's a bit like this, except it's the opposite. It's too bad to be true. That's what God said. I've got something for you, and it's too bad you won't believe it. It's too awful you won't believe it. It's, it's got that sort of vibe going with it. You wouldn't even believe it if someone told you about it. Uh, and this was going to be God's answer to the moral decline of Judah. This is a buckle yourselves in, uh, Habakkuk, and prepare yourself to the news. And to the people of Judah who are living in complacency and apathy and wealth and think, think that nothing bad can happen to them personally, well, you're going to be amazed and shocked. I'm going to do something so bad, so cataclysmic, you wouldn't even believe if someone told you about it beforehand. God was going to raise up Babylon. That's not my words, but the words of God. Hear the shocking plan of the nature of God's plan for his own people, Judah. 
I am raising up the Babylonians, a cruel and violent people. They'll march across the world and conquer other lands. They're notorious for their cruelty and will do whatever they like. Their horses are swifter than cheetahs and fiercer than wolves at dusk. Their charity is charged from far away like eagles they swoop down to devour their prey. This was not some freak of nature or some random event that Habakkuk needed to pray against. Oh, Lord, save us from the Babylonians. I mean, I could imagine if I was a pastor in one of those little villages in Judah and we're hearing about things, I'd have this big thing. We're having a prayer intercession to save us from the Babylonians. Come gather and pray. We'll have revival and God will save us. That's what I'd be doing, right? Absolutely. I would be praying fervently, but this, the shocking nature was God was sending the Babylonians. If you're not shocked by that, you haven't understood this. Habakkuk is certainly shocked by this. It's absolutely shocking. He's certainly sh- he's so upset by about it that he changes his tone from now having a moral whinge about the decline of Judah. His second complaint is against God himself. And so we're going to see he's very unhappy with how God is going to deal with Judah. And his complaint against God, you realize the prophets moaned against God? Are you, do you know that? Have you had a moan against God too? I have. Uh, it's, it's, it's normal and natural. And uh, so this is, this is Habakkuk's complaint against God has uh, uh, three things. The first thing is he believed that God's cure was worse than the disease. Oh, Lord, my God, my Holy One, you who are eternal, Surely you are loving, merciful, long-suffering God. Don't plan to wipe us out. Are we only fish to be caught and killed? Are we only sea creatures that have no leader? Must we be strung up with hooks and caught in their nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Lord, wiping us out is like killing the patient to deal with the disease. That was his first complaint. Secondly, Habakkuk was moaning against God. How could a loving, holy God, reconcile his actions of raising up a cruel and violent people to judge Babylon. How can he reconcile that with his nature? O Lord, our rock, you have sent these Babylonians to correct us, to punish us for our many sins, but you are pure and cannot stand the sight of evil. So will you wink at their treachery? Will you be silent while the wicked swallow up a more nations righteous than I? Look, we're really, really bad, I get it, but the Babylonians are even worse. All right, that, you know, that was, his, that was his, a second part of his complaint. And the third one related to the second is that he was upset at the agent of judgment. It's like, of all the things, yes, Lord, like we, I know we deserve a spanking, but really the Babylonians, that's the agent? Ah, that's terrible. And so, and he said, you know what? They're going to give glory not to you. They're going to give glory to their own, their own strength and might as their gods. And so, uh, you, you know, so why would God use, uh, uh, of all instruments, Babylon? Must we be strung up on hooks, caught in the nets while they rejoice and celebrate? Then they will worship their nets, right? their, their army, basically. Burden sets in front of them. These are the nets, are the gods who have made us rich, they will claim. Will you let them get away with this forever? Will they succeed forever in their heartless, compassionless conquests? Of course, later on, we find out in the other books that, no, God was going to deal with Babylon in due time. So Habakkuk was so incensed at God's plans that he said, I will climb up on the watchtower and stand at the guard post. Right, God, I've got a grudge against you now, and I'm going to wait for you to give an answer to uh, my complaint against you. God, I can't see what you're doing, so I'm going to wait, watch in the watchtower, and I'm looking and waiting for you to explain yourself. And the interesting thing as as we go on is that actually God does not explain himself fully to Habakkuk. And that is one of the interesting things. He does get a reply, 
But God does not justify himself to Habakkuk. God doesn't have to justify himself to you. But we do find out in other texts of Scripture that, yes, salvation was coming, uh, but it was going to be salvation through judgment. In Jeremiah 29, I'm going to read the whole passage to you again, but it's worth reading. Remember that Jeremiah 29 is after the whole city of Jerusalem has been wiped out, and it was a horrific invasion. It was horrendous suffering. And the remnant, and now you get to hear, uh, and the, they're facing 70 years of bondage in Babylon. And you get, this is the message to people whose lives, they're no longer complacent, pride-filled, self-righteous. They are humbled and broken. And in this place, this is what the Lord says to them. This is what the Lord of heaven's army, the God of Israel, says to all of the captives, to all of the prisoners and slaves. He, is, he God is exiled to Babylon from Jerusalem. Build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat food that they produce. Marry and have children. Find spouses for them that you may have many grandchildren. Multiply. Do not dwindle away and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Work for the peace and prosperity of your worst enemies. <laughs> that's not a message I'd want to hear. I mean, that's, the stuff here is just, it's just lots of stuff going on that would have been really, really, really hard pills to swallow. I pray for the Lord for it. You pray for your enemies. And welfare, because that's welfare, will determine your welfare. This is what the Lord of heaven armies, the God of Israel, says. Do not let your prophets, these are the false prophets and fortune tellers who are with you, in the land of Babylon trick you. Do not listen to their dreams, because they're telling you lies in my name, and I have not sent them, says the Lord. This is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years. There, but then I will come and do to you all the good things I promised, and I'll bring you home again. Those prophets, the false prophets are saying, God's going to come and rescue us, and we'll be back to the promised land in no time. No, 70 years. Then good. Wait it out. I'm, I'll be like, but God, I'm going to be dead in 70 years. This is going to be happening for my grandchildren. <laughs> anyway, he says, this is what the Lord says. You will be in Babylon for 70 years, but then I'll come and do for you all the good things I've promised, and I will bring you home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans for your good and not for your disaster, to give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. And if you look for me wholeheartedly, you will be found by me. I will be found by you, says the Lord, and I will end your captivity, and I will restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I have sent you, and I will bring you home again to your own land. So God had a message of hope to give the Jewish people, for I know the plans for I have for you, plans for your good and not disaster, and to give you a future and a hope. But this message of hope, unfortunately, had to go through the bondage first. Are you with me? It was going to get worse before it was going to get better. All right? And that's not something that would have been uh, uh, super amazing. Judah had abandoned the Lord. They had become prideful, complacent, apathetic. They were totally hypocritical. You read Isaiah 58. They would do this, all these big fasting things and sackcloth and ashes and external religious. But actually, day to day, God's people, they were out there hating their husbands and wives, trashing on workers. It was a show. And God knew about it, and so the judgment was coming, right? And they had to go through that difficult, the storm was coming, and it was going to be the biggest geopolitical earthquake they'd ever experienced, including the burning destruction of the Temple of Jerusalem. It was a huge event uh, in the Jewish culture. And then 
After that, God would raise up faithful people, pure and true, but that, that would be happening in the 70 years in exile. For God knew the plans that he had for Israel, plans to prosper them and give them a hope. You know, so it's, you can think of it in the, in the New Testament. For the prodigal son to enjoy the feast at his father's house, to get the gold ring, the sandals, the robes, the mercy and the forgiveness, what event did he have to go through first? Suffering. The pigs... The big spend. Do you know this? Do you know the story? Yes. He had to go through that. He had to go to bondage. Oh, even my father's servants are getting a better deal. And he came to himself, and the Jewish people came to themselves. May I suggest this is a handy thing. Aim to come to yourself before bondage. Just say, say. It's like uh, I remember uh, when I was doing this sort of. We're doing um, this game called. Um, um, uh, Bull Rush. Do you want to play a game called Bull Rush when you when you think? Well, I had this big guy, and I was this little thing, and he was grabbing me, and he said, "Alistair, we can do this the easy way or the hard way. What is it that you want?" And I was like, "A hard way." Okay. <laughs> and I just had the air out of my body. It's like it's about that winded expression. I was like, "They go." I thought, "Why did I say that?" <laughs> it was the hard way. Well, for the Jewish people, it was going to be the hard way. For the prodigal, it was going to be the hard way. So salvation was coming, but it would come through judgment. The Lord in his providence had chosen uh, the Babylonian Empire. And if you ask me, why did he choose the Babylonian Empire? I don't know. I, I'm with Habakkuk, actually. I share Habakkuk's complaint. I'm just telling you, but this is not the God of my imagination or God that I want. It's the God of the Bible I'm telling you about this morning. And I don't know why he chose Babylon. But he would deal with Babylon's evil, and Babylon was the instrument. So thinking about us today... I don't claim in any way to know or have insights into what God is up on our earth. But we should know as Christians who read and know the Bible well that God is sovereign over all of the geopolitical events taking place. He can raise up nations or leaders and he can lower them down. And somehow in a way that is way beyond my human understanding, he does that by still respecting people's free will choices, yet bringing about his providential will. He can raise up a nation to deal with another. And we, in this sense, is a word, an ancient word called providence. And providence, understanding that God is at work in this world, should give stability to the saints. We should know that God truly is at work. God is ultimately in charge. He reserves the right to deal with Judah. He can deal with any nations today. It should give us a healthy awe and respect. And in the biblical sense of the term, a reverential fear for God. So I know that term can be abused. So, I mean, I could imagine if I was living at Habakkuk, my prayers would have been, as I said, save us from this terrible invasion, deliver us like in times of old. Yet God had raised up Babylon. And it's made me ponder, as I've reflected on this week, about some really difficult and painful circumstances that have come in my life over my lifetime. And I've made me think it's been humbling to me, painful to me, and as I've looked on some of those circumstances, I've actually looked that some of it's coming out of my sin, a pride or words I've spoken, hasty, foolish, stupid things that I've said and done over the years. And then these, these things come on my life, and then I've realized that in the midst of it, God has worked on my character. He's humbled me through that. And so I've come to see that even though the people made their free will choices and some of the cruel things that people have said and done, God will deal with them. But God's providential hand has been over that and has been working in my life. So perhaps there's a person here today, 
you're in a painful situation. It could be a marriage. It could be a relationship with a child. It could be a work situation. It's something. The Lord's hand is in that. Hand yourself over to it. Lord, grow in me the fruits that you need in the midst of this situation. Help me to show your love and grace and obedience. And so God, perhaps in God's sovereign, even though he respects their will, he's raised up that circumstance for that very purpose. And so this morning, these are the things we just want to go. God's shocking answer to Habakkuk's complaint about the moral decline of Judah. Secondly, Habakkuk's complaint against God for his use of Babylon and God's ultimate message of hope and restoration. God is still at work in the nations today and in our lives preparing the ground for his return, which could be today, tomorrow, or within our lifetimes, or perhaps centuries from now. He's at work. And if we love him, we can have a peace and a joy and a stability about global events. And even knowing that perhaps, I'm not suggesting this will happen, but even if things got worse in New Zealand during our lifetime, that he is in charge of the nations, God of nations. And he is working things out. And that sometimes, this is a hard message, but it is a biblical message. God does bring salvation, but it's on the other side of judgment. Let's pray. Gracious Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for Habakkuk. Uh, and Lord, Habakkuk's struggling to understand what you were doing and how you were at work. And we pray that, Lord, that we would know you as revealed in the Bible. And that, Lord, we would have a trust in your providence over the things of the earth. And that we would have a stability knowing that you are working out your eternal purposes in our lives. Lord, and I pray that we would look to you no matter what is taking place. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.